Thanks, as always, for listening to Fluff and Crunch. In this episode, we discuss the supporting characters mechanic found in Star Trek Adventures, Dune, and Homeworld from Modiphius. Talk about how this system could be used in other 2D20 games and how it might be even portable into non-2D20 games. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. We are recording, and hello, Chris. Hi, Jeremy. How are you? Uh, I'm dry now, so that's improving. You're dry now because you were outside and it was raining. Yeah, I mean, technically, I came out of shower as well, so I guess I was wetter well, then. But yes, it's different. It, it's raining, raining a lot here at the moment. We've had a lot of rain over the last week in the UK. I, I like that. Actually, you know what? Maybe one day, uh, I don't know if you've ever, well, we love it when it rains here because in in this desert, obviously, we you know, it's a desert. We don't get a lot of rain. That's what defines a desert. But um, <laughs> but the smell of the a recently rained on Sonoran Desert is absolutely beautiful. There's nothing like it. There's a there's a smell of a certain kind of bush called a creosote bush that when it's wet and the soil around it, it, it just it has this very distinct smell. Nothing smells like a wet Sonoran Desert. It's quite nice. Yes, I know people outside the UK think it rains in the UK all the time, which which isn't tr- it rains more here than other places because we're an island and we're but it's just cloudy there all the time right? we, we have a lot of cloud but it doesn't yeah. ne- necessarily rain um i think the thing we find now is that it rains it can rain quite heavily but yeah where i live for some reason when it rains instantly everyone forgets how to drive um well, either that or, yeah but we you don't have much that's rain true. so it's understandable whereas here like people should be used to driving in the rain yeah, right. people suddenly like just forget how to drive in the rain, drive like it is. I, I suspect part of the other problem is that I think there are actually a lot of people who either walk or cycle or take buses and other public transport to work. So then when it rains, they're like, oh my God, I'm going to get wet. I'm going to take my car. And then they don't know how to drive because they don't use it very often and they're not used to driving in traffic. So it could be that. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So, well, lovely. Rain bad. Rain. Oh, well. We'll debate that another day. You live in a desert, so I live in a desert, so we welcome the rain. Yeah, uh, we all our reservoirs are pretty empty, so we do need the rain, but yeah, yeah, we always need it. Um, my lemon tree loves the rain, and I love my lemon tree, so that's uh, there, there's the connection. Uh, so I know neither of us have done, have done any gaming, um, no, because like this is the same week recording, time. yeah, as with John Houlihan, who I thought was a, a very decent fellow. He was, and he recommended me a TV program, which is now mine and Mika's like favorite new thing. Right on. Except, except it only has six episodes and we've watched two already. So that's, well, that's a start. That's, that's annoying. Start. <laughs> yeah, I've got to see if I can, if I can track it down. Um, I'm but sure we'll it eventually. we're going to talk about supporting characters. We'll talk about the, the, the place and role of supporting characters in a couple of 2D20 systems and then kick around some ideas for how they could be used in other 2D20 systems where they don't exist and maybe even other systems that aren't 2D20. Yep. Be kind of cool. So the whole idea of supporting characters, if you are not familiar with this, uh, I first became aware of this and it was first codified as far as I know in 2D20 and Star Trek Adventures. Yep. Um, and the reasoning behind it is that you know, the, the conceit is that your adventures take place on a ship or on a big space station and that these stations have lots of people. There are lots of, you know, flunkies and other crewmen and people like that all around. And that if you watch any of the Star Trek series, there are plenty of times when parts of the ensemble cast aren't in a scene. And since 2D20 adheres to this scene-based idea of, of um, adventure sequencing, you know, the idea is there's an away team and they beam down to a planet and it's Kirk and it's Spock and a couple of red shirts and Dr. McCoy and other people are up on the ship. Well, what do you do when your character, your main player character, is not in the scene? Do you sit there and twiddle your thumbs? No. You create or use an existing supporting character. Um, 
How do you want to quickly talk through the creation of it? Because one of the things that I think is really fascinating about how these work in Star Trek Adventures is that they're meant to be built on the fly. So that as the action, as the story unfolds, the need arises for a security officer or an engineering officer or whatever, or a medic. The need arises, and right there at the table, you take a moment and you create a supporting character. Uh, I mean, might as well just run through it because it won't, it won't take like super quick because the whole point of this it is super quick. So you, you give them a purpose, attributes. So this is Star Trek. So you're from 10.99887, any order, uh, 4.32211 in disciplines. So again, you can do this because Star Trek has that nice easy, just six yep. attributes and six uh, disciplines. Pick three focuses. One should match up with uh, the purpose, it says. I mean, that's the kind of thing I'd be like, nah. And, and the, the purpose, typically, the easiest way to do it is choose a department. Yeah. Flight ops, helm, or, you know, t- security, medical, whatever. Um, And then... You give them a rank. Yeah, basically, that's it. Give them their equipment and stuff. Uh, I mean, when I used to put in characters, we I did it more because I think they... I, I don't know if I did follow these rules on the main character creation, but the point was I play started with only two PCs. Mm. So there was always going to be tons of supporting characters. So whether I used those rules or the standard rules, I can't remember. It was kind of irrelevant because the point, the purpose was the same. I think the purpose is the important bit. Yeah. So the, um, what I've done with this is uh, I found online, and you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll put these in my, my Google Drive and I'll put links in the show notes to this. I found a, a a PDF of supporting character character sheets. Four of them fit on one page. And so what I did is I printed out a few pages of those. I have a small pile of them. And they're like uh, like big file size, big file card size things um, in a portrait orientation. And what I did also is I, I have a one-page sheet that that defines, provides those numbers and those six steps to create a supporting character. And I have two copies of those sitting out at my table so anytime a supporting character is is needed my players have the reference sheet and they also have the little supporting character character sheets to write the stuff down on so i'll put links to both of those but the idea is you just boom you create you know lieutenant such and such or chief whomever or whatever and then one of the players takes over that supporting character and runs it as their character during that scene that's the the rules is written way that they're used. And then what I like about this too, and this this helps build the bigger story of a Star Trek ship or station, is that each subsequent use, like so say you make, um, I don't know, Chief or, you know, Crewman Jones, who's a medic, and you use Crewman Jones as a medic, and then you put Crewman Jones aside, in the future, Crewman Jones is now part of the crew which means that in the future, if you want to use a medic again as a supporting character, one of your players just grabs Crewman Jones. Now, each subsequent time you use the same supporting character, you get to either add one to an attribute. You can only do that once. You can add an additional value, or add a value, rather, until they have the full complement. You can add one to one discipline. You can only do that once. You can add an additional focus. Um, and or rather or you can add a talent and there are limits to these and you know we need to go don't need to go into all of the rules but so the idea here i love this is that a supporting character is always available once created unless a mean gm kills the supporting character like i just did last weekend or (laughs) um uh, so the, the supporting character is always available but the supporting character is not static so the supporting character grows and um it's a really neat mechanic that enables every player to be in every scene, even if every main character is not in every scene. The one thing that I noticed in this, um, rules-wise, I think this would make it difficult. I only have three players, so we've had to work through this other side of not supporting characters, but character player-controlled NPCs, is that the key thing with these supporting characters is that it's not a mass of them. You have one. So you as a player swap out your main character for one of these supporting characters for one scene. When the scene is over, you either go back to your main character or you continue. You maybe create a different supporting character. 
Um, yeah, I think you, that makes sense. Each player only controls one character at a time. I think I think when I did it, I think it was mostly for things like bridge scenes. I probably had them control two each, so they would have like their main character, a second character, and then if there was any others, I would pick them up. Yep. I think out of the bridge, yeah, that makes that I can't, to honest, I can't remember it's ages since we did it, but I just remember in general that the reason the system was so good is because particularly when you've only got a small party, you can't, you know, just if you people go, right, we, we all want to be bridge crew, but then there's a really important science scene or a really important engineering scene. Yeah, you could have that all done off camera or you could have it all done with NPCs, but it's more interesting to have the players there. So then the players get to go, right, well, I'm going to have, you know, this en chief engineer and the other person. So I'm going to take this, yeah. the rookie engineer, well, I'm going to have the, the scientist and you still get to play out that scene and, and make the decisions. Um, so, however, you know, whichever reason you want to, and like you said, for the like away missions, that's when it works really well because... You know, if whether it was, you know, original series where it was always Kirk, but then, you know, a lot of people didn't go down to the planet or if it was like next generation where the card very rarely didn't, it was always Riker. Then if they need those other characters with them, you know, you've, you've got them. So it's, uh, it's really good. It, it made it feel for me, it made it feel more like Star Trek because the reality is if you look at any Star Trek program, there's probably at least six, if not more main characters in those shows. For sure. And, you know, most of us don't run party sizes. You know, we've had a whole episode about that. Well, I think we decided our best was three, actually. But, you know, we, we uh, you know, we generally, most people do not run groups of sort of six or seven. So the idea of supporting characters means that in any situation, you can have all of the cast there and it does therefore feel more like, uh, more like a Star Trek show. You're not having to sort of change what Star Trek feels like to cater to the fact you've only got three people in your party. Um, yeah. It can always feel like Star Trek because there's always other characters there. And importantly, it's not the GM having to have all of these people as NPCs and juggle them. You can, you have the other players do it. I think that the only thing I ever noticed is that if one of the supporting characters starts seeming more interested in one of the characters, sort of main characters, then that can be a bit like, oh, I'd, ra I'd rather play my supporting character than my main character because this supporting character is more interesting. But that's like a good problem. That's not a yeah. bad problem. Oh, for sure. That's a good problem to have. Now, the rules do provide for player-controlled NPCs, and that's different than a supporting character. So player control, and I suppose, you know, obviously, you, you make the choice at your table how you want to run it. Rules is written, like we said, supporting characters are, are what we just talked about. Player-controlled NPCs are different, and they could be supporting characters. In fact, I think the easiest way to use those would be supporting, you know, you have a pile of supporting characters. Say you're having the starship combat moment and your player characters are doing their bridge things, but you had a few of the other positions filled out with NPCs because you don't have a big player group. There are, uh, the rules for player controlled NPCs are different. They can only, uh, they can only attempt difficulty zero tasks. Um, they may assist. Uh, player-controlled characters, tasks, and they can follow orders. That's pretty much, that's the standard um, in the 2D20 games. If you have, so if you're a player and you're controlling an NPC, it's limited in what it, it can do. Yeah, they've put that in there as a kind of a, so to kind of, yeah, so the idea is you've got your guys on the bridge and you've got the other characters there and you don't, so the PCs don't have to control two people, but to make it easier for the, for the GM, they go, but you just give them the character sheet and you're rolling some dice for them. Um, but obviously, you know, you can, you don't have to stick to that. This, uh, sure, sure. I'm just saying what's, what's nice is that they provide, if you, if you want to be, if you're a rules is written kind of player, a rules is written kind of GM, there isn't a question mark left there with, mm -hmm. well, wait a minute, I only have four players and there are five you know, we have, we, there are several different positions that need to be filled during Starship Combat. Well, what do you do? Well, you have player-controlled NPCs, and those yeah. are different than supporting characters, capital S, capital C. There are supporting characters also in Dune. Yes, they are. And I think these are, I think these are important, but for different reasons. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? And they're, they're different. They are different a little bit than in Star Trek Adventures. Well, of course, I mean, Dune obviously is quite different yeah, from all the other different. games, but there are, there are some differences in what they have. Anyway, yeah, what so you think. I think well, so the main difference here, we've got this idea of minor and notable supporting characters. And I'll just read the headline. I'm not going to go for the character creation of this, but the idea of minor yeah. supporting characters says you can create an unlimited number of minor supporting characters 
with each one costing a point of momentum. So these are more about sort of bringing in a character because you need someone for some kind of like little task or there should be a lot of people in the scene and you need them in. And then we have notable, and I kind of feel like those are throwaway ones that like you use them and they might never be used again. Um, whereas the notable supporting characters is that the group may use up per adventure, the group may use up to five notable supporting characters. The fact that there's a limit on that is a bit strange, but then it says your house may yep. increase or decrease this number. Um, again, you spend momentum to sort of bring them in and out of the scene. And, the, and these guys, yeah, they basically have better stats and they're, I think those are more like, they're going to be more important. Now, one of the reasons I think it's super important in June is that <clears throat> in June, like we've talked about this, that kind of like June, you can almost play from sort of a house level, like your two, you know, your group, your, say they've got four standard number, your group is kind of like, they might not be the, you know, you might not have the head of the house, but it might be the second level. So like the, the Lord of the house, I have no idea what they're called, but like say the guy who's in charge of the house and like, you know, their partner and the, the, the they might be the, they might be NPCs. And the GM will tell, you know, pass through down. Yeah. And maybe you're playing the second tiers, their children or like the, their he head army guy or, or whatever. Shows how well I know the tunes. <laughs> I've looked at it for so long. But yeah, then there's so many reasons you would know. Anything. So you need a spy who is going to be infiltrating another house. Well, none, none of your players are spies. So you, so you need a supporting character or Correct. you have a combat scenario where a, a small commando group has been sent to... To, to do something well then you need characters for that or just there's a trade mission going on you need to so there's so many situations in june where it wouldn't make any sense for your players no to be that at just none no you know th th this isn't star wars where it's going to be all about your characters are going to be doing everything saving the world themselves yeah you know depending on who your characters are there's so many other things going on in your house that you need you need support even to some extent more than in star trek star trek's about like making star trek feel like star trek by roll sort of rounding out the rest of the ship because like there's 200 people on the ship but you know, like a house could be like thousands of people yeah um and again it's just a really great I, I loved the idea of like right well, we're just going to play our characters and if there's like a ball to go to or there's like a meeting of the houses then our characters will go to that and if we have to go to arrakis because we've been sent to be in charge we're going to be there but there's going to be skirmishes and wars and assassinations and, you know, shady meetings in shady places where most of our PCs or none of our, and that's, I think that's one difference from Star Trek. In Star Trek, yeah. almost always one or more of the PCs should be there. Um, in a scene. In a scene. And you will add in some supporting characters. In June, it seems completely legitimate to me that there, there will be no PCs. Um, Correct. And that's what it says in the thing. Okay, they, they represent the people who serve the group's house in various minor or less capacities and functionaries to spies, to soldiers, and more besides. They allow players to take on different roles in play. They allow the players to split their characters between different activities in different locations. Um, so, yeah, it's another perfect example of where supporting characters have let this genius idea. And how have I never seen this in a game before? Right. Star Trek. Well, it's, fa it, it's an interesting thing. Like, so, notable supporting characters in Dune. If you're not super familiar with it, uh, notable supporting characters in Dune are, are essentially, they fill the same place in a story, higher, the story hierarchy as um, supporting characters in Star Trek Adventures yeah. because the expectation is, is that they could return. Yeah. And um, the creation system for both minor and for the notables is, is simple and streamlined and is meant to take place right there at the table. Now, you're spending momentum Unless you don't have you, unless your main player, your main character is not in a scene, you as a player, if you want to switch to a minor supporting character, you have to spend momentum. It's been one momentum. You don't have to spend it if your main character is not in the scene. The limitation on the five or for notable supporting characters that that mirrors or at least calls back to the limitation in Star Trek Adventures, which is you can have an unlimited number of supporting characters created. Your group of players could have a deck of the things. However, in a given adventure you, session, you can only call into use as many that equal the, the scale of your ship. So there's, there's a, a, a limitation on it in Star Trek Adventures. You're limited by whatever. So you have a ship, say you have a scale four ship, you can only put to use a total of four supporting characters in a session. 
And given, you know, you play for a couple hours, you have a couple of scenes in that. I've never found that limit to be burdensome. Um, I think in Dune, you just made me you know, think about this whole idea of, you know, the, the, the weirdness of house hierarchy and the reach and the scope of operations. Say you've got, you know, you, you need you need some kind of a covert team to go break in somewhere and do something they're not supposed to do. Yeah. And so you could make that team up of both minor and notable supporting characters. Like you could create, oh, here's here's our go-to like bag man for the house on this planet. And uh, we're going to have him do that stuff. But, you know, the, the, the flunkies who are on the team, they're, they're not necessarily going to come back. So you as players could play a combination of those things to play out the scene with zero mainline characters involved. I think that it makes perfect sense. Yep. I, I love the idea. Every player in every scene. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I've never seen before. No. Now, Homeworld, we won't go into a whole heck of a lot of detail about it. Um, I was just going to say Homeworld has the following huh. characters and then just... And leave it at that. All right, done. We left it at that. Um, I think you should actually edit you, in just the pause, just the quiet, maybe put a tumbleweed sound. <laughs> just like, tum yeah, tumbleweeds, they make like a click-click sound as they kind of shimmy-shimmy, click-click as they roll across the street. Move on. <laughs> you know, those are real. Like, I, in, yeah. <laughs> in the summer, I'll drive around and I'll see them. Like, they'll tumble across, they'll literally tumble across the street. Oh, that's hilarious. It is not, that is not a, a, a that's not lower. Anyway, um, what other 2D20 systems do you think you could use? Forget about the mechanics. Um, I think that, you know, all the systems are a little bit different. So how you would create one on the fly so, would take a little bit of massaging. But which other systems do you think you could use? Use supporting characters. In other words, as a, a, a character you use in place of your PC. I think it's helpful to go back and look at the purposes, both between Star Trek and... Uh, June to see why they suggest you when they suggest you use certain characters, and then that'll give right. us an idea when we should. So Star Trek says they represent the rest of the crew, the ship's crew. So the idea is you've got a massive crew. Your PCs are a fraction out of crew. There's always other people there. Okay, so that's one. Um, allow players to take on different roles in play. That says the same thing in the in June. Uh, allows yes. their players to split their characters between different activities. Says the same thing in June. They allow smaller groups of players to bolster their numbers during challenges. And by ensuring that enough bridge stations are manned during space battles. So what they're saying in Star Trek is there's frequently things where <clears throat> you need a bigger group of characters than you have players. And so because of that, yeah. here's the thing. Um, what's the additional one in June? Um, oh, they represent the people who serve the group's house in various minor and lesser capacities. So those are the kind of the things they've given them. So it seems to make, you know, the main ones there to me is if there's a reason why you need characters that are doing something other than your PCs. Now, I think if I'm looking then at all of these, all of the other ones, I don't think that that really fits the, like, we, we need underlings um, because your character mostly can be there. Now, the, the players to take on different roles, mm. um, maybe I could see an act in Cthulhu that you have, a, you have your main characters, but then you have a, you have a mission which is going to be straight up combat. There's not going to be any investigation there's not, it's going to be, you know, your, your, your sending in a commando unit is going in to go up against one of the, the Nazi ones. And it's going to be just a straight up gunfight. And one of your characters is, is more of an investigation bookworm type thing. There's no way they would go on that mission unless there's a ritual at the end of it. Again. So instead of that, you can make up a supporting character to send you, or you make up a bunch of characters, right? We, we want a military unit of five crack troops where well, you only have three PCs and only two of those PCs are any good in combat. So you actually need a supporting character to, re to replace one of the PCs. And then there's two other NPCs that go along with them. So it, it, I can imagine situations where acting Cthulhu or, or another thing where you want to do a scene where the guys are in a library reading yeah. a bunch of books and the combat guy doesn't fit in that. So, right, we're going to be, um, you know, you're given someone else who is another library type person and they're going to be a supporting character. So I can imagine that. Because in acting Cthulhu, you, although your you know your group might might part of a unit, but you work for a bigger organization, and you work for Majestic or you work for um, Section M. Thank you. So because you know there's always going to be these other characters there, 
Now, on that kind of basis, that would then also work for Infinity because Infinity, you again, you work for an organization, you work for O12, and it might be that there's a situation where your players' skills don't don't fit for the mission they're going to be sent on. But I think in both of those cases, it's almost like an entire adventure might need a different character as opposed to just a couple of scenes, which is quite different from the purpose in Star Trek. But again, I think you'd have to have access to why why are the PCs not on this adventure? Why is someone else? Well, if you're in a military or in, you know, paramilitary or, you know, a kind of spy organization, it makes sense that different people would be sent on mission. Um, and I think if you're going to do that, you'd have to make that decision at the start, right? Actually, we are, we're not always going to play our PCs. These are our main characters, but sometimes we're going to have to use different characters. Uh, I, th- I think you're right. I think that the, the default conceit of, I'd say the vast majority, I mean, like basically every RPG has been that the, uh, the, the player characters are the heroes and hero, not in a hero is, you know, you're the assumption is all roads flow through you or go through you. And, uh, yeah, I think you could do Octum Cthulhu more broadly. How's that by establishing, you know, okay, you guys, I mean, let's say, you run, um, you know, some kind of joint section M majestic unit or something like that. That that's the conceit. That's the basis of it. And you have a shop essentially of a variety of of operatives of agents. And depending on the nature of a mission, you're drawing different people from it. You know, for it, I could see running like a later war uh, campaign that's already that's after D Day. So you've got a team, um, uh, you've got a team that's you know there, you say based in France, and they're they're pulling out guys to go yeah. do these different missions, <clears throat> maybe even simultaneously. It would require a, a different approach, I suppose. You could, um, <laughs> I mean, this is maybe this is kind of lame. Yeah, I don't know, but if you had Octon Cthulhu that took place on a naval vessel, yeah. You know, if you're you're off after you, the focus of your campaign is deep ones, and you're out like in a submarine, maybe that, or maybe some, you know, a, a destroyer or something yeah, like I that. Think it- then it becomes it's just you just invoke the the Star Trek approach to it. I could also see like if you wanted to have, you know, the crew of a B seventeen no. bomber, it was, it was ten guys. I don't know how. Do you know how many fit in a Lancaster? No idea. Um, you would then I I would think in that situation yeah. you would just use the PC controlled. NPC rules uh, to flesh things out. And obviously you can do that in Octon Cthulhu as it is. I think the thing that makes Dune and Star Trek to a lesser extent, in Dune you create a house. So actually arguably the house is the character and therefore, yes, you make PCs that are part of that house, but you make the house first and then you make the other stuff from there. Yeah. And to a lesser extent, Star Trek has that. So if you think, you know, classic Star Trek, both Star Trek and Next Generation, it starts off, these are the voyages of, of the Starship Enterprise. It doesn't say these are the voyages mm-hmm. of Kirk and Friends. So the Enterprise, no. you could say, well, the, the ship, the ship's the main character, and these are the people that are on the ship, and therefore the people on the ship can, can die. I mean, Christ, one of the series, two of the series are named after the ship. One of them, well, neither yeah. of them I talk about. And Deep Space Nine. So actually, other than Next Generation and, and original series, and the most recent one, we have four. Every single Star Trek since now has been named oh, yeah. after the the thing. Two they're of them. On. Two of them will not. Two of them will not. Well, be we probably not mentioning two different ones, but still. <laughs> but still, there's some. There's uh, some that we're not mentioning. But like Deep Space yeah. Nine again. The, arguably, Deep Space Nine is the character. Now, is it? No, that's silly. But the, the point still stands. Then you mm-hmm. are playing characters Story-wise. on Deep Space Nine, so it makes sense. And I think that's where it's different. And then again, you know, this would be why Homeworld has supporting characters because Homeworld is set on a. A ship. We think. Anyway, what about Fallout? So, like, if you if you ended up having, and I'm not familiar, very familiar with the world, but if you ended up having a settlement, yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, so there's, and and I see the original Road Warrior, yes. yeah, yeah. You know, like out at their little processing plant and the Lord Humongous circling them and and that kind so, of thing. There's, there's two ways of doing that. One would be you have a settlement that you you found and you start off with that, but most a lot of the time the characters. In most of the Fallout games, your character starts off in what's called a vault, and a vault was where people ran to hide away yeah. from nuclear war, and you leave the vault. Yep. So there would be nothing stopping you going. Actually, we're going to play the we're going to play like Vault Seventeen, 
that's probably a proper one and then people are going to moan at me that i picked the wrong one but um <laughs> i won't but you know there's a there's a vault and you say right well we're gonna have these main characters but it might be that we're going to do a science again the same kind of things this week we need multiple different people from the vault or we're going to split the pcs and they need people to go with them from from the vault but a settlement would work as well um, and I think that's the only way you'd be able to do it in Conan is if you were playing sort of a, a settlement based or a more exiles type thing where we need, right, we're going to have in this, in this episode, we need to go and investigate this thing. Well, actually, it doesn't make sense. This character goes, we're going to send a different character. Yeah. I think what helps in Star Trek, it's like Star Trek and Homeworld do very, uh, not Homeworld and Dune are very different things, but in Star Trek, it, you have this ship with people on it. Yeah. And so there's always people there and it moves around, which gives you the, you know, the, the advantage. There's a, a clear and an an easy reason for this ready stock yeah. of largely the same people. So the idea that you can draw from, and and I think one of the one of the things about um, one of the things about Star Trek Adventures supporting characters and Dune supporting characters that I think is if you want to use this, if you want to think about, oh, I'm going to port this into other two D twenty properties, um, is worth remembering is that. In most cases, they're not throwaways. Yeah, these are going to return, yeah. and so this is it's it. This is a less useful subsystem if um, if you're just murder hobos moving from place to place to place, and the only the only consistent um, play or, or character friendly PC friendly people are the other PCs. Yeah. You know, there's there isn't this stockade from which they can draw. Yeah, I think we're gonna look at say next generation, good examples of people like Barkley and and O'Brien, who they were in it more than once. They were in it a bunch of times, but yeah. they were never a major character. And then obviously O'Brien became a major character. So then in Deep Space Nine it'd be looking at someone like like Nog who you know, he just, he was occasionally helpful and became more and more. And eventually, you know, he became a PC for whatever reason, kind of. Yeah. So yeah, you can apply it to that. I, yeah. I think, I think it's you, Star Trek and Dune make a better use of it. There are ways in the other systems. I think Conan would be very difficult unless you were doing this specific um, kind of thing. Excellent. I think the one way you could do it in Conan is if actually you accepted, right, we're going to play Conan like Conan. We are going to have one main PC. And then everyone else in the group is going to have a different PC every episode who is the people that Conan come across. Now, that would be a properly weird way of doing it. But I can imagine, it would you be. know, that there would be people like, so the kind of thing, that's the kind of thing I'd like to do as a player because I like making characters um, more than I like, you know, doing, just expanding the character. So I'd be quite happy to just play a different character every episode because I would get to go through loads of different, loads of different character creation. Um, but that's a you know, properly be- weird way of doing it. Although I I don't want to go down this road right now, you know, as you look at the different versions of Conan in the books, the Conan, the this, that, the other thing, he grows. You know, he gets the barbarian is the earliest one, and there is a sequence that's presented in those books, and he gets better. His his skills improve, his talents increase, all those kinds of things. So. I wonder, I mean, you would have to sink a bunch of work into this, but if you wanted to run a Conan campaign like that. I'm not saying necessarily using Conan as the main one, as the Harry Potter of that <laughs> campaign. Um, you could, you could with each time that single PC, the Doctor Who or whatever of the group, each time that one improves, that next selection of uh, new supporting PCs or supporting characters that would go around and be played by the other players, the rest of them could start a step beyond you you have to create the numbers for this but yeah I, I i think that there are again there are places where the this kind of subsystem works really really well you know there's a to a degree um well there there it's a different form of player controlled npc and i go back to knights black agents you know when you have um your network you know you have people who will get information for you and and they have a score attached to them that, that gives you a sense of how well they can do this and how long they can you know get away with it that's um maybe spiritually related but but not the same but where else are there other systems or other kinds of settings where you think something like this obviously you know we're i don't i'm not really into talking about the you know the different kind how do you massage different rule systems to make this work we could talk about I, that I, but what other, where else could this idea fit 
in other I think games. rules wise anywhere it can fit because at the end it, anything where the rules can be create characters can be created quickly like because the whole point is you can knock up these star trek and june characters super quick yeah two or three minutes at so, the table people breathe you talk about hey here's the new scene blase blase yeah. and as you're doing that someone has worked up someone boom they're ready to go and again that's why this would be easier in, in star trek and june and maybe out to cthulhu but it wouldn't be as easy in, in conan or infinity just from a rules point of view because unless you made a character that had the stat line like an npc um and then you know that's the awkward because they're just not as interesting to look at um so I think something, you know, rules-wise, I think if you're on the high, more complicated or more detailed characters, you just it, it wouldn't work as well unless you had a pre-generated stack of like backup characters that oh this character's going to fit, we're going to bring this in. But I, I think it is more about the the setting. So you know, you're kind of D and D fancy things. It just doesn't work. You've got you you guys are an adventuring party, or you're the heroes of the adventure. Swapping one character out to swap another character in. You know that's that that does that seems weird. So I can't see it being like that. Yeah, kind of defeats the purpose. Where I think it works well is if you're playing an existing, like an existing property where there's a large chunk of characters. So like I mentioned this, uh, whichever episode we did talking about weird XP unlockables, and I said in Marvel Heroic, where obviously you have a huge chunk of characters because like the original book came with twenty or or more. You know, obviously there's hundreds and hundreds of different Marvel or DC would be the same thing. And the idea was that is that yeah, you didn't necessarily have a main set of characters you you started with some and then you could drop those characters out and swap them in for other ones um but again that's one where there were pre-generated characters um but something like that so i'd be thinking like something like gi joe as well or transformers where there's a huge chunk of characters and you know this weak guy go you know someone goes well i still want to play a snake eyes and the other guy goes oh well i tell you what yeah i want to play as another ninja let's do a ninja week and so snake eyes gets to carry on playing as snake eyes and everybody else plays as ninjas that episode because you're going to do a ninja episode um so I can see it happening, something like that, where you've already got a bunch of, you know, pre-written characters. Well, not necessarily pre-written, but you know who the characters are in advance. And so you're just jumping to a, another pre-created character. Um, but yeah, I don't think there are a huge amount of other situations. I mean, we've said like, so anything that works off June's principle of like, uh, you're, in, you're the ruling party. So like we said, if we were going to do Game of Thrones, the role-playing game, you could totally use June. We still haven't done it. We said it's feasible you could see the same principle then that you would have you know you're the you're the leaders of that house um no it still has uh and you know you might need the people the errand yep. boys for your thing might have to uh be created a supporting character so i i could see this uh and I, I go back and i think about you know your your standard 5e style or standard D style fantasy and you say you probably probably wouldn't fit um the pathfinder kingmaker adventure yes. path by the time the it got silly, actually, uh, by the time my players reached or the characters were like seventh or eighth level because they were running a realm. They're not going to go off and like <laughs> do errand boy crap. That's where you have that's where you have that second tier. The next like the next generation of, you know, the, the, the tough guys who now work for the new king. Um, it could work in that if you ran a fantasy campaign that was based around regardless of whether the players whether the characters were the the top leaders if they were you know more powerful characters and leadership types within a given realm and area i think that you could you could incorporate something like this maybe you would have um a stand you know maybe a standard stat array because that's that's pretty normal now in dnd you just have the standard stat array yeah, you'd have to you'd have to choose some things to to streamline the process because they're maybe you you know what maybe you could do is and this is you know dumps work on the GM, but um, in something like that maybe you could have a pile of like okay here here are fighting men and here yeah. are magic users and here are some you know what I mean you have just these very generic and um, character templates that have three or four things for the player to customize on the spot. So they can put the character to use because i think that's one of the key pieces of the value of this is that a it keeps every player in every scene but b it doesn't slow down the table it doesn't bog oh crap i gotta make a character it's going to take me 15 20 minutes a half an hour i'm going to fart around with some horrible online character generator because there are too many damn options in pathfinder that kind of thing it's got to be quick because the scene demands it but i think you could do that in in a, a fantasy campaign. yeah i think but you're right not the murder hobo style because one of the one of the things about both Star Trek and June is it's you're not meant to be playing those characters the whole 
episode you know session you're only meant to be playing them for a scene maybe two scenes which which obviously is different i think when you start moving into actually for a whole session or a couple of sessions you're playing a different character well that's when you can make them advance but then they're not really supporting characters anymore um which leads me to think of like there are there are systems that talk basically troop play where you have you make up a more you make up at start more characters than you're planning to play with and then you don't always play the same characters um off the top of my head, I don't know systems that use that other than, like I said, the Marvel Heroic. I don't think it uses that word, but it's implied that's how you can play it. But I know there are systems that suggest kind of that's how you can do it. You, you know, you make a bunch of characters at the start and you, you only ever play as many as you've got players. But that isn't quite the, the thing as we're talking about. But I mean, it's a similar idea. So, yeah, I think, you know, potentially you could do this in a vampire campaign. I was thinking about vampire and the thing I was thinking, I was thinking ghouls. I guess it depends. If you were playing people that were sort of like higher generation, yeah, and then you're you wanted to send your lackeys off to do things, then it would work. Where I think it wasn't, if you're like, you know, you're trying to do the intrigue, it really needs to be your character there having the conversations, finding the stuff out and messing around with other people. Uh, and then it wouldn't. But yeah, if you're you're wanting to have a scene where you've you've sent off, you know, one player and some, like you said, some ghouls or some like combat people from that whatever the different vampire plays, of course, I can't remember, um, are sent off to do something like, again, more yeah. combat-y and the non-combat characters don't want to go with them. That's that's where it'd be useful. So yeah, and that, that would make sense. Again, though, you would need, uh, it's, you'd need some kind of a quick and dirty means by which you would create this. Because the, the thing that I, I love about these is that they don't take planning. In my experience with Star Trek Adventures, no. they do yeah. not take planning. You know, as the, the the players work through what you throw at them, when you as the GM recognize, okay, this scene is naturally coming to a close, or I'm going to spend some threat to bring the, the thing to a close right now because I have some kind of dramatic idea that I think will be great. I hope will be great. The story has, you know, it goes where it goes organically. And so this isn't something that you would necessarily plan for in most cases. It just happens. And that's the wonderful thing about it is that because the creation system is so quick, um, you, you turn on a dime and you're able to say, okay, we're in this new scene and it doesn't make sense for the chief engineer to be there, but we need a medic. Boom. You know. Crewman Jones is now on the scene again. Yeah. I think it definitely helps that you can make up characters really quickly. So I think, yes, yeah, so system is going to lead into it. If, if you've got if you can make characters quickly, then you're fine. So something like fate or some extent savage worlds, these kind of things, you could, you can knock up a character, just write some numbers down. I super, still think you know, having a, a streamlined, that, that's what the thing I like about Star Trek adventures is that it's so quick. Yeah. And, yep. and that the character is um, not fully fleshed out. What you're really doing is you're yeah. building it, you're building one facet of it up to serve that scene. And then if you want to use the character yeah. again in the future, you fill out other facets. And I think that's why there aren't many, I mean, again, even just setting-wise, there aren't that many settings that lend themselves. You do have to have the situation where there are, there is for some reason a bunch of other ready at hand skilled mm -hmm. people they can have, which is why it doesn't lend itself to fantasy. It does make more sense in a, a science fiction. Anytime you have a ship. Realm. He, yeah, he, even if you're looking at like a cyberpunk thing or, you know, into Shadowrun, your characters are like, they're a group of people. They don't just like, well, we're going to farm this right. job out to another dude. These two, because the whole point is, is you have a party that have different skills and they can all yeah. do something. It's, it isn't often you are just going to go and do one thing. So even for something like that, I just, yeah, yeah, no, I, can't, I can't. Plucking it out, you know, the, the idea of cyberpunk, you know, potentially if you decide that your, your character, what if one of the PCs is a corporate and you decide you're working for one of the corporations, maybe in that situation, it, uh, it makes sense. Or maybe you're a, maybe you're a gang, you know? And so you have other, yeah. so I think there are places, yeah. but yeah, it's, I think you hit it, you hit it on the, on the nose that it's, it's less a system issue because you can make, you can come up with ways to make streamlined characters and come up with ways to make, you know, to, to enable people to quickly make streamlined characters. But I think it's the, the bigger question is, is the story, does it lend itself to, to the value and the place of this? Because obviously there's no reason to just say, let's just have these. And then, then it, it makes no sense. 
And I think it, it's also the kind of thing you, the players have to know ahead of time. And, you know, is the important thing the story, in which case the, people won't be bothered doing this, or is the important thing that, you know, the character's journey? Because if it's the character's journey, people don't want to suddenly just ditch their character and take over someone else. Their character is super important to them. So again, I think it, it, it helps when you're looking at, you know, it's more, we're doing more of a TV episode thing where we're going to have different things. We're telling a story and stuff will happen to all the people on the, again, the, the ship makes sense for, for Star Trek as opposed to, well, you know, this is a, this is a great literary journey we're going on, but we're going to keep swapping in and out of the, the, yeah. the characters. Um, unless you were being properly crazy and doing like, right, we're going to do a big Game of Thrones style Every single PC, that's your that's a point of view character, but everybody else they hook up with is a supporting character. So this scene, it's going to be, wow, I haven't seen Game of Thrones in three years. I've forgotten all the characters. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do a Stark. And in this scene, there's only one yeah. Stark PC. So the rest of you are all playing the supporting characters that are helping this character's story. Right. Now we're gonna go and switch and, and look at what uh, I can't remember what the dwarf. It was. He was so cool. He's my favorite. I forgot yeah. all the character names. But like, right, he's going to be going doing something that he needs. But but that'd be a that that'd be a properly bonkers way of doing a thing that every PC basically doesn't meet the other P. You know, we're going to do a whole first series and none of the characters are going to meet till the last episode. But um, yeah, if that's what you wanted to do, that that would be a way of doing it. That like literally, every PC doesn't even know the other PCs, and you're doing this yeah. grand big fantasy epic. But again, that's a very you know, that's very. That's. A, so I'm now thinking about this. Thinking, this is the best well, idea. That, I've ever had. You know, that's, that's one of those all, things that it sounds amazing. wonderful, and it could be if you had the time and you had the right players, because the right players will buoy the energy of a GM, and you'll be able to do yeah. all those great things. But lots of people say those things are like, "Oh, it's a really great idea. It's, I'm, I'm going to sink all this effort into it," and then they're like, "No, nah, give up." That's that's not a million miles away from how I'm planning to do my D and well, I can say our, cause it's not mine. It's going to be our D and D thing next year, which we can probably do a future episode in, but I need to, we need to start with, hopefully we're going to do some planning tomorrow. So maybe later okay. in the year I talk about, right. This is the plan. It might be a stupid plan, but I have a plan in the back of my head for what we're going to do. Yeah. I, I had mm-hmm. had, uh, when I did that Pathfinder Kingmaker campaign and we, we used the, um, obsidian portal, um, campaign site uh we did a lot a lot a lot of work there um, a lot of between the live sessions and we built up like if i had had if i'd known about this like if it had existed this idea of the supporting characters um i would have figured out a way to use it with um with with pathfinder because we ended up having that like the middle tier of kingdom operatives and troops and people yeah. and things like that and i would have loved to have put them to use but um, but I had had this idea, and I had reached out to some people that I used to game with that you know live far away now, and asked them like, "Hey, it'd be really cool. Maybe would you like to play a character? But you'd only be online, and you would just be essentially like play by post." And people like, "Oh yeah, that's really cool." And then they they never follow through. Yeah. So when I I never played. Well, that's not true. I played the first book of Kinmaker with just just me correctly, but I used the camp the ultimate campaign rules, which obviously came yeah. from Kingmaker. But I used those in conjunction with 13th Age, because 13th Age had this idea of you could play through yep. one you only had 10 levels, but like an adventure is a level. So we just played from level one to 10. Um, but yeah, the the campaign stuff started really grinding it down as they were because they literally we did a similar thing that they were gonna they go and they had to explore an area and they found us a they found like a you know a they started forming a settlement and then had to find all the people to do all the different roles in the campaign. But it was very much like, we're going to do that bit on a, on a, on an Excel spreadsheet and we're going to do it separately because if we're doing that during the session, that's half the session is going on, like just doing the maths. So we just split that off very quickly into a separate thing. And then we did do huge sessions or just finding characters to Mm. fill these roles. Um, I can't remember what else happened. The only thing I can ever really remember was holding a ball so that all of these prospective like females would attend. So one of either Brian and Scott, whoever had decided they were going to be more the head guy, could find a wife because we thought we had to have a king and queen. And that was that was a whole session, literally like me printed having printed photos off like this fancy. <laughs> this is this person. This is just like a dating show. That was so stupid. And that's the only bit I can ever remember. I, can't, I, I know there was also like, a, there was a big bad guy and they had a big fight at the end. But the only bit I can ever remember, funny. other than the fact there was a, they had a goblin henchman who I think ended up becoming, I think they became the finance person. Um, hey, it's like, but yeah, other than a goblin, like finance person. 
I think he might have been called El Gringo. Oh, actually. that's funny. Um, was this, yeah, this whole ball, which was purely to whoever was the lead character needed a wife. And so we just literally did an episode on dating. Sometimes, so sometimes <laughs> games go, they go afield. They, they go into strange places other than just kicking down doors and, and killing beasties and taking their gold. Yeah, on a similar weird thing to that, I remember when I was at, during my summer holidays, one uni university, I'd create this whole big fantasy thing. It was, it was basically like kind of like Babylon 5 or Deep Space Nine. It was the same idea where there's a central hub and all of these people are meeting. So it was more like Babylon 5, all these central different races mm -hmm. are meeting. And the players were there in this city doing stuff. But then we got really obsessed with the idea that there was, there was this fictional sport that was there. And then we ended up spending up ages coming up with like the rosters for all of these sports teams and the results. Oh, and that was it. It was hours and hours of working out the results for all. Like, you know, we were at one point and suddenly we were like a year in the future fun, who had won the like, Super Bowl. You know, Bowl. hey, rule number one, oh, have fun. So rule number one, have yeah. fun. But it was kind of funny because like the characters were at this point in time, but the sports events we had like way into the future. You can bet on them and make money. Oh, so silly. It, yeah, it's funny how you can uh, go off on tangents yeah. sometimes. Yeah. That's all right. Um, so speaking about that and tangents, coming back from one, um, <laughs> what uh, anything anything else about supporting characters? I think we've I think we've hit it. I mean, I think we we got an introduction to what they are. If you're not familiar with them and rooting them in Star Trek Adventures, Dune, and they pop up in Homeworld, uh, talk about other places we could use them in other two D twenty systems because obviously the the mechanics are already there and massaging them a little bit would not be that difficult. Uh, and then the possibility of using them elsewhere. And, and I think you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a story issue. It's less the setting, but obviously setting enables different kinds of stories to be yeah. told m more easily um, than others. Um, anything else? Because I love the mechanic. I love the idea. No, I can't think of any extra. Ad. I think it's literally a case of saying, you know, they, it's, it's a brilliant mm. idea, but it, it only works in certain yeah. places. Both, both June and Star Trek have this like meeting of the right setting and the right story situations and the need for them and the fact that you can make characters quickly and then they just work. Um, and maybe there's a reason we haven't seen them in lots of other places. But, well, you know what, though? Sometimes you know, uh, the idea of a self-evident truth is something that regardless of how complex it is, once you understand it, you can't un-understand it. And this, I think, falls under that heading. It's like someone needs to invent it the first time. And it looks like in yep. this form, this is what Modiphius did. And they're putting it to use in the, the games where they believe it makes most sense. And now it's the question of, huh, what else could we do with it? So hopefully this episode gives you listeners some idea of, huh, what else can we do with it? And we'll pick up a conversation about this on the Discord and hopefully you'll join us and give us all your great ideas. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.